Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Like You don't ever want to lose like this. I feel like we needed a little bit of a wake-up call at some point this season uh, because things have been so good. And there's been so much talk, maybe outside the building, about the ease which with, with which we're, you know, moving the ball on offense and scoring. And, you know, I think we need a kind of a kick in the ass a little bit as, as a little bit of a wake up to, uh, you know, stop feeling ourselves so much and get back to the things that got us to this position. And I think this would be, unfortunately, but fortunately, um, something we can really, uh, really grow from. Monday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. Peacock, Sirius XM 211, NBCSN at 9 a.m. Eastern. Hello if you're just tuning in then. Sky Sports NFL, 7 o'clock UK Ireland time. And Aaron Rodgers was and still is a big fan of The Office. And one of the best things about The Office, they do those testimonials all the time. And no matter what happens, good, bad, or otherwise, they always find the positive in it, right? They're shutting down the branch one after another. Oh, it's a positive. They're not shutting down the branch one after another. Oh, it's a positive. I mean, come on. And look, I am becoming a gigantic Aaron Rodgers fan. But don't give me this stuff that it was good to get curb stomped yesterday by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's nothing good about it. You had two weeks to get ready for that game, and that's what you put on the field, and that's somehow a good thing? Come on, Chris. Come on. No, I, I mean, I hear you, but you know how athletes are, Mike. You know that's the way it goes. I mean, they're, they're going to try to find some silver lining. You know, more times than not, too, in those type of games and a blowout loss, we've gone through this, too. You go back and you watch the game a few weeks later, and you go, man, two or three plays, and that game could have been totally different. I mean, I think, you know, there is a case to be made to that. I mean, Aaron. <laughs> wait, well, wait, boy, wait. Hold on, hold on, on, hold okay. on. And Aaron Rodgers, yeah, he can that. say all he wants to say. You're right. But those two or three plays we're talking about were certainly him this time around. It was nobody else on the team, anything like that. He definitely struggled yesterday. And, yeah, he was the jump-off point for the big turnaround with the pick six and everything right there to where it fell apart. Um, so, yeah. I get it. I know what I know what he's trying to say, but that wasn't a good loss. It didn't look good. They got dominated. They got beat up. I mean, uh, I would have a hard time. I think in a few weeks looking back at that and going, "Oh, it was just a few plays," and I think it was that. You know, it would have been different. Uh, I'd be a little bit worried if Green Bay had to see this team again later on down the road. Yeah, I'm done with that two or three plays crap. Here's why. Last <laughs> year, as the Packers were getting ready to play the 49ers yeah. in the playoffs, I went back to the Sunday night game, and I convinced myself, just two or three plays. Well, that That's was, all it was. That was your if it fault. Had gone, if it had gone differently, <laughs> if those two or three plays go differently, 40, 49ers may have lost that game to the Packers. I think the Packers can go out there and beat the 49ers. They've gone into this Bob Greasy offense where they're afraid of Jimmy Garoppolo and Aaron Rodgers has going back to – all that stuff, roll it up in the ball and throw it out the window. They got the crap kicked out of them twice. And here's the thing about the Matt LaFleur Packers, who are very, very good 
in the regular season, now 17-4. and four. Yeah. But when they lose, they don't screw around. No. They don't, they, don't, they don't hold you in suspense. They had the one loss to Philly late September of 2019 at home right. on a Thursday night that was a close one. There are other three losses under Matt LaFleur in the regular season, and let's throw in the playoff loss as well. Four total losses over the past two years right. where they have had the crap kicked out of them. I mean, it either goes their way, start to finish, or it doesn't, and it's over, and pack up the stuff and get on the plane and go home. That Mike, I mean, that that's it. That, it's, it that's Green Bay. That's why they're an underwhelming 13-3 and team last year. I mean, in a lot of ways. And it's why I think, you know, after yesterday, and even going into this a little bit, I've had I had questions still about their defense and some of those things there. But the big thing and what we've seen through the Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur era and the way the team is built, they are built to have a lead in a football game. That's the way they are built. Hey, we're going to come out. LaFleur will have a few cool plays. Rodgers going to be efficient. He's going to hit a few big ones to get us down there close to score. We're going to get a 10 or a 14-3 lead early in the game. And now we got these good pass rushers. And Mike Pettin's kind of creative and crazy on the back end. And it plays into their hands. But, yes, when you see that, ooh, the offense is struggling and the other team gets to play balanced football and do things like that, they, they have a hard time. It's not their type of game. And I think, again, that was exposed yesterday. That's one of the things that worries me about Green Bay. And I think, you know, there's a little fugaziness about how good they are as a football team. I think Rodgers masks that a lot of weeks uh, with his efficient play and some of his playmaking. I'm aware of Fugazi. Yeah. I don't know that Fugaziness is it, it's, an official it's term. It's a little Kristen's I like it. twist on I like there. it. Okay, you like it? I like, I like Fugaziness. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, yesterday went from, oh, Aaron Rodgers to, oh, oh. Aaron Rodgers. Ugh. Yeah, Bruce Arians after the game, Buccaneers coach explaining how they confused one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. You don't usually get Aaron confused. And uh, that's one thing I don't think I've ever seen him confused. But when you start running him down and chasing him out of there, Early in the game, he chased out and he made a lot of plays. We just kept chasing him, hemmed him up a little bit. Oh, they definitely hemmed him up. And how about Ndamukong Sue settling some old scores? Remember the time yeah. when Sue stepped on the lower leg of Aaron Rodgers back at the time when he had a calf injury? And Sue got suspended for a game, for a playoff game, one of the few years that the Lions actually made the playoffs, appealed it and won. And I don't think this argument saved the day, but one of the arguments he made was it was really cold that day at Lambeau Field and his foot was numb and he didn't right. know where he was stepping. Right. So there was something there. There was some heat there going both ways. And to his credit, a guy who doesn't make plays like he used to, he wasn't quite Aaron Donald, but he was the closest thing to Aaron Donald That's of his right. day. Yeah, He still, when he flashes, he flashes like against the Chargers forcing the fumble that sparked the uh, the 17-point comeback. And then yesterday, he was one of the main reasons why Aaron Rodgers was so battered and bruised and rattled. Yeah, I mean, the the, the Bucks D, it's got really big-time potential. That's why, I, Mike, I, I sit here and I still think, yeah, I know the Bucks are sitting here at 4-2, and two, but I'm not so sure they're not the most complete team in the NFC. I, they're still a work in progress, but... What is what are the weaknesses of the Bucks? You know, somebody tell me. What, what where's an area on the team where you go, oh, that's a weakness? I mean, the D line is the real deal, and that was the big difference in the game. You're right. I mean, Sue is a force. He he does pop a handful of times. He's immovable in the run game. So like his bad plays are just like, oh, stalemate at the line of scrimmage. You have three guys blocking me, and I didn't move. I mean, that's that's the kind of guy he is. But we haven't seen Rodgers under pressure like that and confused like that. I don't think since the 49ers of last year in those two games where we saw, you know, feet hopping around and, hey, the pocket's clean. Just chill out. It's all good. And then, you know, oh, I think this guy's open and the pump fakes and the pulling it back and doing all those things. So I'm, I'm excited to see the back end of that, you know, film and see what Todd Bowles did to kind of trick him that way. But either way, they won the physical battle and it looks like they won the schematical battle just watching on Sunday. And we're talking about the running game and, you know, not long ago, Aaron Jones, mm -hmm. the toast of the league with that big game that he had against the Lions. Ten carries, 15 yards yesterday. Eesh. That's what I mean, though. Five yards per carry. With the lead conversation, because the, it, it is a team that, yeah, we get the lead, 
Now we can run the ball, but you can't totally sell out on the run because we might burn you with the big play action pass and do those things. And it lends itself to, okay, yes, a, a crack here, a crack there, and Aaron Jones takes advantage of it. But, yeah, I, I mean, you know, again, I know Tampa lost that Thursday night game to the Chicago Bears. I think we're seeing that Chicago is better than we want to give them credit for. And this Tampa team, I mean, has real potential. When you look at the NFC, right, Mike, right now, you go to the Seahawks. Yeah, we know, but their defense is horrible, you know. And then you look at Green Bay, I think there's questions about that defense as well. You start to go, damn, is Tampa, I mean, New Orleans? I mean, they're, they're right in the mix of that conversation for me. I don't know how you feel about it. Well, a few weeks ago, we had kind of agreed it was Seahawks, Packers, Bucks, right. and then Tampa loses to Chicago. Right. We have our doubts about them at three and two when it felt like they were putting something together. And now that the Buccaneers have beaten the Packers, you got to say maybe it is Seahawks, Bucks, Packers, Seahawks, Packers, Bucks. Maybe it's Bucks by the time it's all said and done from yeah. the standpoint of having a complete team that can win in January. Right. That's the key. Right. Setting yourself up to win in January. And that Seahawks defense, unless it improves, is not going to be the kind of unit that wins in January, especially if they have to go on the road, Chris. Although yeah. right now, you know, the good news is for them, Packers losing – they're uh, the last unbeaten team in the NFC, right? right? Right, yeah. I mean, they're 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 sitting pretty in a good spot right now, and we, we know that that could be an important spot this year to get that first round by and do all those things. But, yeah, there's a lot of football to be played here. I mean, Green Bay, of course, still has to play the Bears twice. They got a, a lot of other teams on the schedule here. And Tampa, we know, is still a work in progress. But, you know, again, we see yesterday defensive playmakers. We've talked about the front seven. The secondary, I know we've had conversations about it's talented, but raw and messes up every now and then. But you saw yesterday the talent it does have. And then they can run the ball and they can pass protect. And Brady is getting more and more comfortable within the offense. I mean, Chris Godwin was less than 100% yesterday, and Mike Evans didn't even play. And they scored 38 on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, on the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I, I think that's that should be a warning shot across the NFC bow right there to go, uh-oh, Bucks might be figuring this out. And the defense really was key. I mean, you think about what you're saying. If the Packers build a lead, that's when they can do the things that allow them to, to compound it and to, and to just pull away. Well, they're up 10 nothing. Yeah. And uh, and then all of a sudden, it's 38 to 10. I mean, it, it didn't happen quite that quickly, but it turned fast. It's 10 nothing, then it's 14 10, then it's 21 10 along the way, the pick six. Here's Aaron Rodgers on the key moment where things turned with the pick six on and why the pick six happened. Yeah, I mean, it happens. It, you know, it's part of I haven't had a lot of those over the years, but. Um... You know, the wind was blowing pretty good right to left. Uh, like I said, I felt good about the spot. Yeah, I knew he was tight. We fit throws like that. Um, I missed my spot by, you know, probably a foot or so. Um, and the you know, kid made a good play. He had to squeeze in that. I haven't had a lot of those. Yeah, he did. He we did know. We know, Aaron. We know. You're you don't one of the best as far as that's concerned. We understand. Right. We understand. That's what makes it more glaring when it happens, though. It does. It does. We don't – you don't see him make those – well, it, it, that's – 10 nothing lead. Ron Rogers never turns the ball over. He's efficient. He throws, you know, he throws for 70% and they're hard to beat that way, you know, but that's, that's not the case yesterday. And yeah, that ball, you know, didn't look like Rogers like uncorked it, you know, or just unleashed the, the Kraken to say, I'm going to throw my fireball in here to a hundred miles per hour. And Devontae Adams, I think the way he ran the route and kind of attacked Demps, who's a young corner out of Auburn, I think he thought, like, ooh, he's not going to run the go route. Rodgers kind of stared him down, and this kid, Jamel Dean, was kind of staring in the backfield the whole time, too, having a view of Rodgers and how he was setting up and made a good break and made a good play. you know. But then the crazy thing is you go, okay, Green Bay might be able to do something, get something going, and then they throw the next interception. And that's a play again. It's Adams to it's Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams, a slant route, tight window. But Devontae Adams hasn't played in a while. Ball goes off his hands, intercepted, two yard touchdown run a few plays later. And then still, Mike, you go, Green Bay is not out of this. And then Rodgers misses a big throw down the left sideline to Aaron Jones where he bobbles it and then misses Mercedes Lewis. And that to me was where I was like, wait, ooh, they had a chance to kind of regain some momentum and maybe get down a field goal position and it didn't happen. And then Tampa just stamped on their stump, uh, stamped on their throat. What is stomped on their throat? Stomp. Yes. Yeah, stomp, thank you. Stepped, stamped, whatever. Hey, <laughs> here's, here's, here's a glimpse 
and in real time how how jarring it was. Yeah, I, I was sitting in my normal position watching the games while I'm trying to line up the various phone calls that I make after the one o'clock Eastern Time games, and it's ten nothing. And I heard you saying, "Oh, well, this, it, it, it looks like the Packers, are, you know, yeah, right. have their I'm way sure with I was the Buccaneers." Poetically, so right. yeah. So I go over to the position where I sit to take notes and do a couple of these phone calls, and I look down at my phone, and my son texted me, Aaron Rodgers pick six, and I'm thinking, well, that's interesting. And then I you know, finish the phone call, come back, and it's 1410. It's like, what the hell happened? Yeah. Yeah. That's how quick it happens. And once that, once that flipped on the Packers, it, it felt like there was nothing they could do about it. No. And it's out of their control. And it gets back to your original point. You, you have to find a way to short-circuit them early, or they are going to, to ultimately stop on your throat. You have to get on theirs or they're going to get on yours. And it doesn't happen very often. No. It's like a, an Aaron Rodgers pick six. doesn't happen very often. But when it happens, uh, it's, it's ugly. And it makes you wonder, can they avoid it when the season's on the line, that's the key. Yeah, if they get to the playoffs, right. well, you know, even if the even if the road to the Super Bowl goes through Lambeau Field, I think it's well, with no fans. It's not as critical as it would be. But who knows what will be happening by January? But it just feels like whether it's two, whether it's three steps to get to the Super Bowl or in the Super Bowl itself, can they avoid? what happened yesterday I, for yeah. an entirety of a postseason. I'm not sure they can. I'm not sure they can either. I think it would have to fall their way. You know, they'd have to be very fortunate to, you know, somehow find a way to, yeah, where it just fell their way to the first round matchup as a team that's not really complete or they match up well, whatever that may be. But, uh, yes, I have questions. I think what we're both saying is playoff football against complete football teams and, they, they kind of seem like they kind of got to play the perfect game to me to play those kind of games. And that's just hard. That's a lot of pressure. And it is a lot on Rodgers. When they get behind, again, this goes back into the other conversation too. See, it's not when you don't have great receivers, it, it's hard to come back either that way. So they can, they're not a great like, oh, we'll get in a shootout with you type of team. No, that's not Green Bay. That was maybe Green Bay seven, eight years ago, but not anymore. They're not like that now. So when they're down 10, 14, 20 points, you know, the offensive pass scheme itself is creative, but not like one of the five most creative in football where you're just like, oh, they can dice anybody up. And then, this, you know, the talent at the receiver position, you know, is probably a little better than league-wide average as far as that's concerned. Maybe below average. It's below average. Who the hell am I kidding? And that makes it hard for them to come back in games like yesterday, too, because no one can make that big play to kind of get them off the schneid and turn the momentum back their way. So back to the original point, if it's some sort of a wake-up call, is, is it an alarm that they'll respond to? Can they really fix it? You know what I'm saying? I, oh, I know. Like, I don't hey, know maybe, if they can. Maybe, maybe we thought we were better than we are. Well, guess what? We're not. We're not better than we were. This is who we are. What can we do on the fly? I, I think it's, it's just going to have to continue to be like this is a, the formula we have to continue to approach is play our style of football where we're great with our first 15 plays that LaFleur drives up, draws up to start the game, and they get out in those leads. And then they can Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, and send all crazy blitzes and play crazy coverage. But I think that's going to have to be their ba main focal point. Yeah, they'll try to get better at the things they're not worse, you know, that, that they struggled with yesterday. But I do think the main thing for them will be to stick to that formula we've talked about. They need to play for a lead, get you in that spot there. Rodgers will continue to be efficient because you don't know if they're going to run or throw the ball, and they can kind of put you in a tough spot, and they can get a little crazy on defense. But, yes, I would worry about them with a lot of teams in football. They're lucky in the NFC. There's not a lot of complete teams right now. We'll see what where that conversation goes in, in January. We need to pivot. Yeah. The Broncos Patriots, but I got to get something off my chest that yeah. only I am going to care about, but I'm not going to be able to function until I mention this. Yesterday was the 46th time in NFL history that a final score was 38 to 10. I've got a bad connotation with 38 to 10. Let me tell you a quick story. Yeah. December 22, 1996, the 23rd time in NFL history that a final score was 38 to 10. For the first time ever, I went to a sports bar to watch the Vikings. I'm having my entire Vikings fandom flash before my eyes now that I've annulled the relationship. Yes. I dragged my wife there. We got a three-month-old at home. We lined up a babysitter. We go to the sports bar. Well, first of all, I don't factor in the possibility that Packers fans are going to be there, which made it an unenjoyable experience from the start. Game was tied 10-10 at the half. I'm thinking, hey, I mean, this is a Packers team that went on to win the Super Bowl. Vikings got a chance at Lambeau Field. Final score, 38-10. to So anytime I see 38-10 to now, I remember that day 
where I decided I'm never going to do that again. And I've never done it again since then, although now it doesn't matter. All right. Let's move on. Thank you. That was, thank you for that. You wore your I'm, purple shirt I, for the Vikings I'm, tonight too. That's nice. No, this is all part. This is all part of the purging. This is all part of the purging. It's all part of the annulment. Fifty years of fandom is gone now. But uh, that was one of the low points of the many low points. Yesterday would have been if I still cared. Let's move on to the Broncos Patriots. Yeah. it's a low point for pack uh, for Patriots fans. Uh, my goodness, you know, of all the teams that I thought would be able to handle the unpredictability, the uncertainty of the pandemic. It was the New England Patriots, but that was not to be. Let's hear some of the sound coming out of yesterday's home loss to the Denver Broncos, 18-12. to 12. Nobody cares, you know, about what the it was or, or what the reasons were. And, and to be honest with you, I don't care either. I'm not expecting people to care. You know, my job here moving forward is to find ways to win football games to put this team in the best situation. And it just starts with protecting the football. And that's what this game came down to. How much did the limited amount of uh, fully padded practice time you've had in recent weeks do you feel had on today's game? I don't know. What do you want a percentage? I have no idea. Always happy. At least he's no different in victory than he is in defeat. I had somebody email me last night. Why do people tolerate that? Why is that appropriate for him to treat professionals that way? And we're just numb to it because he's got eight rings. But really, in what profession is it acceptable to be that dismissive of somebody who's just trying to do their job? And I've said this before, and let me say it again. If he doesn't like that, then he should go coach high school lacrosse where nobody cares and nobody's going to want to talk to him. And he doesn't have to deal with the media and not be a butthole. And I almost said the other word. You can say them separately. You can't say them together. I almost said, why does he have to? But why does he have to be that way, Chris? And why do we put up with it? No, I, because he's the greatest coach of all time. Uh, I, there's no denying that. I mean, what he does is amazing that way. It's, it is the worst thing about him, though. Yes, I don't know. I don't know why he fights it. He wasn't always that way. You go back to the early days. He was very charismatic when you saw him in Cleveland or the Jets or the Patriots, you know, press conferences, things that way. Uh, I don't know why why he's like that. It, it is the one side of him that it does bother me. I can't lie. As a guy that's a fan of Bill Belichick and known him for a long, long time, I don't know why he treats people like that either at times. I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, I get the the awkwardness that you see from him from time to time in the interpersonal relationships. You know, the guy who, as you've said, you're walking down the hallway at the facility and he's like up against the wall. I mean, they're, they're, that's a quirkiness. But yeah. there's just a, there's a meanness that flashes from time to time. And, and I just don't think you should treat other professionals that way in that type of a setting. So let's talk about the game. I can understand why he was upset. His offense uh, couldn't do much of anything. The Broncos did their best to let them hang around. You know, usually in a game like that, Chris, when you see field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal, you just assume it's a matter of time yes. before the other team starts scoring touchdowns and you're done. And that never quite happened. It almost happened, yes. but they weren't quite able to get it done. Well, that, that's it. It almost did happen. You're right. I mean, first off, I mean, Drew, hey, Drew Locke, he came out, made some great throws to start the game, kind of got them going and jump-started that way. But I think ultimately the, the theme of the game was, yeah, lackluster drives by New England. And here's the drive chart if, you, you know, if you're watching with Denver. It wasn't a like, really impressive day, but they got points. And they didn't make a lot of mistakes until the end of the football game. And you see those two interceptions, which gave Cam Newton and everybody a little life. But we don't use, we're not used to seeing the Patriots, like, be sloppy like that. Two interceptions. You know, there's another point. You go, okay, here they go. Izzo catches the tight end. Izzo catches a big catch down the middle of the field. Fumbles right on the edge of field goal position. They're getting a first down. Then it's another drive, and you're going, okay, here they go. They got their mojo. You know, the snap over Cam Newton's head that knocks them out of field goal range. So there was a lot. I mean, it showed. Hey, we saw one team last week in the Tennessee Titans who miraculously went out and played like the cleanest football game and looked like they didn't miss a beat. New England's been through a lot of crap the last two weeks, and it showed. It really did. They're still a new team, too, with a lot of new missing parts. I think we forget that because the uniforms and Belichick are there and everything stayed the same. But, you know, I think with Cam Newton as the quarterback and some of these young receivers and all the guys they got that are different on the defensive side of the ball, it showed that they're a team that is not complete. They're still a work in progress, and it's as sloppy as I've seen them in a, lo a long time. And if you can't practice – how do you get yourself ready to play Tough. the COVID-19 situation? Again, I thought the Patriots would be the last team to be affected by this in a negative way. They'd have a plan for everything. But 
with all of the issues they've had, starting with Cam Newton a couple of weeks ago. It was fine. They were clean. Everything was great. It looked like they were going to have a positive all year long. It's going to be fine. They've cracked the code on COVID-19. Yeah. It started two and a half weeks ago uh, with, co- with, with Cam Newton. And, uh, you know, when you just don't play, when he doesn't play and they don't play, it's actually, was it three weeks ago? That this whole yes, thing it's been three weeks since Cam Newton's played. It's been three weeks. It's three yeah. noons since yeah, he's so played. It's three right. weeks for him. They've been dealing with the issues. They've got interior offensive linemen like James Ferentz, who who's on the COVID-19 list. they got a right. bunch of guys on the COVID-19 list. And, and we're seeing what happens when you're the one team that is having these issues. And we're going to talk about the Titans coming up. It makes it even more impressive what they've been able to do. Yep dealing with their own issues. The Patriots haven't been able to deal with it. I mean, you take the Titans out of the building for 16 days, they're champing at the bit to get back and start kicking people's butts. You take the Patriots away, and they feel lost. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, hey, the Titans are a more talented football team than the Patriots. That, that's that's not a question. And it's pretty much the same team from last year, too. So they at least have that unity. And as we know, they also snuck away and had a few practices by themselves. So, <laughs> you know, they did they did do that. But they have that advantage. You know, New England, like we said, with all the opt-outs of the COVID-19, different people in the front seven, all that, they got they, they to coach those guys up. Some of those guys, like, you know, are, are early in their career, too. So COVID-19 you know, is taking away the Patriots' greatest element of their football team in this little bit of a semi-rebuild year, right, where they were going to kind of like rebuild but probably still be 10-6 and six and go to the playoffs or something. But the biggest advantage New England has as a football team is Bill Belichick and the fact that he can't be in the meetings and, hey, we're going to do this walkthrough and remember to look for this. And, hey, coaches, did you t- coach him to do this because we got to worry about this when they're – that that's the greatest strength of their football team, and that's lost through Zoom meetings. Yeah, he's still coaching and doing all that, but not the way and to the extent New England likes to get things done and what separates themselves from the pack. So, to me, yeah, it's a tough one for them, and they're gonna it's going to continue to be a battle because the offense is a work in progress and everything like that. First time below 500 this late into the season since 2001. Now, 2001 worked out pretty well. <laughs> yeah, it for did. New that's England right. Patriots. They eventually found their groove, and that's the silver lining. If you're a Patriots fan, they still can figure this out. They can. They still can get it together. I remember, I think it was, and this game came up last night because Drew Locke throwing multiple interceptions and his team still winning at New England was only the second time in the Belichick era that's happened. The other time, Week 10, 2001, Kurt Warner with the Rams. I think it was a Sunday night game. The The Rams won. The yeah. Patriots fell to 5-5. Five and five, Right. And then they mashed on the gas pedal after that. So there's still time. Just hang around 500 until Thanksgiving. Let Belichick do his thing in December. Yeah. Hope you can have three practices a week to prepare for each game. You get guys off of the COVID-19 list by then. And uh, look, I'm still not ready to give no. up on the New England Patriots until they're dead. It's like the tar- – I did it last year. Yeah. The Terminator never dies never. until he's dead like he was against the Titans. Right. But I'm not I, – I think the worst thing you can do is assume they're done at two and three. There's a lot of – if they, like you said, if they can practice, get a little healthy here on the offensive line, there's still a lot to like about their football team. And as crappy as they played, they had a chance there yesterday. I mean, in an NFL football game, as crappy as that was and as beat up as they were, they did have a chance. Uh, I mean, you're right about that. And we've seen, hey, without Cam Newton, they had the Kansas City Chiefs on the ropes wobbly. They were on the one-foot yard line versus the Seahawks, who were all, like, saying's the best team in the NFC. So they shouldn't give up hope. they got to remember that. The only thing I worry about, Mike, and a little something I brought up on Football Night in America last night, the AFC is so damn good, it's unbelievable. And I just worry about them, like, falling too far behind to where, you know, this could be one of those years where you, you got the Colts right now as a seventh seed who end up being, like, you know, 10-6 and six in, in the playoffs. I mean, the AFC is just so good. We had those discussions. There's no middle class, really, in the NFL. It's like there's a lot of really awesome and there's a lot of really crap. And I worry about that aspect as far as the the Patriots' playoffs hopes a little bit. The Denver Broncos are trying to move from the latter category to the former category. And, look, we got to give them some credit. Yeah, they we did do. get the win, even though, as Vic Fangio told me after the game, head coach of the team, biggest win so far that he's had, obviously, 
as the coach of the Denver Broncos. You're not going to beat the Chiefs next weekend if you can't score no, touchdowns. Negative goes You've right. got to score touchdowns. You can't swap field goals for Patrick Mahomes doing what Patrick Mahomes does. But, but you know, this has to be the kind of game, Chris, that gives a team some confidence that they can do something positive. And, you know, it's not like they get blown out by the Chiefs every time they play them. I think that if you're the Broncos, there's a way to, to glean from what they were able to do yesterday, especially yes. defensively, that they can maybe slow down the Chiefs. But like we saw last week between the Raiders and the Chiefs, you slow them down a little bit, but you still have to outscore them. So it's both sides of the coin that need to be taken care of. But the defense gave the Broncos a lot of reason to be happy yesterday against the Patriots. Now the offense is going to have to step up to make it two in a row. Yeah, And actually it would be three in a row right? because they hadn't played since that Thursday night against the Jets. You're right. Well, I think the first thing that we need to like, you're right, we got to give Denver credit. We got to give Drew Locke, you know, because everybody's just going to see the interceptions at the end of the game. That Drew Locke was a big part of why they got off to a good start, too. Now, it wasn't like it just blew, but he made a few throws where it totally flipped the field position. I bet you it made New England go, wait, do we really want to play man to man and get in the face of these guys today? Because Locke seems like he's totally comfortable throwing 40 yard lasers down the field. I mean, he had 10 completions. For 189 yards. So that just tells you what kind of throws he was attempting. They were pushing the ball down the field. And then Fangio, he's a mastermind that way. And you're right. There's some there's some things to like. I mean, Simmons and Jackson at the back end of the safety position. You know, they're pretty good in the secondary there. Bradley Chubb popped a few times yesterday. I don't think they're ready for K- Kansas City primetime. But with that quarterback and some of the young pieces, have, Denver is one of those teams where you just go, man, I'm excited about what they could be in the future. And they've been through plenty of adversity, just like the the Patriots. And, you know, they had a, a running backs coach, Curtis Modkins, land on COVID-19 yeah. on Saturday. They had a, you know, it seems like there's six, seven teams that just have this thing constantly swirling around and they can't get away from it. And I feel like when they do, someone else will step in to that spot. And it's just going to, like, migrate around the league all year long and maybe come back around to some of these teams. And it's just amazing to see how it's blossomed into its own separate, right? chunk of the news coverage at one point on on friday or saturday like every top story was COVID 19 related whether it's the falcons whether it's the jaguars but uh, a lot of teams and really most teams haven't had issues that's what makes it so glaring with that handful that do but kudos to the broncos for dealing with the distractions dealing with the issues and getting things taken care of and uh, the Patriots going to have some work to do but but first and foremost got to be able to practice and if you can't practice you can't get a work in progress rebuild team ready to go all right let's take a break when we return one of the great games of the day it was supposed to be a much better game than it was the Pittsburgh Steelers welcoming the upstart Cleveland Browns to town how did it go for the Browns not too good more PFT <laughs> live right after this Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Steelers had not been impressive in their first four games of the season, even though they won all of them. 
first time since 1979 they started 4-0. Yesterday, though, my goodness, they unleashed everything on the Cleveland Browns. And that defense has been awesome. First team since the 1985 Giants to have three sacks and an interception in each of the first five games of the season. And uh, the thing Cam Hayward told me after the game, they, just, they, they knew you got to get off the bus and stop the run against the Browns. And if you do that, you'll be able to shut everything else down. And then, uh, you know, they, they, they created an avalanche effect by sensing that frustration and just, you know, and just they, they knew here, here it comes. We can sense that the Browns are not happy with the way things are going. This wasn't as easy as it was supposed to be. They were supposed to be better than they've been in past years. The Steelers are supposed to be beatable this year. And it just fell right into the Steelers' hands. And, and, you know, I said last week, if I'm going to be wrong on this one, I'd rather be wrong that way because I just had a feeling the Browns were going to get it together. And they just, you know, yeah, remind, we're, we're reminded that the Steelers are the Steelers and the Browns are the Browns. And, uh, Chris, you know, I don't want to take anything away from what the Steelers did, but Baker Mayfield, I don't think he should have even played. I, I He never looked like himself. Now, some of that had may have had something to do with the Steelers. But yeah. when you've got this chest injury, you're talking about how you had to sleep on your side instead of your back, yeah. and you're in pain and discomfort all week. Right. Should you really be playing the game? Or Jay Glazer said he's going to start, but they don't know if he's going to finish, and he ultimately didn't finish. I just feel like they, they should have gotten him off the field sooner. Maybe. And maybe they should have just gone with Case Keenum from the get-go. Well, I, I mean, yeah, it's certainly easy to ask that now. And, I mean, I understand what you're asking. I mean, he, he was obviously banged up. We know that. And then you're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers and that great defense. But it's the kind of matchup that I think like a guy like Baker Mayfield, there's no way he's missing. He's worked too hard these few years to be in some of these games finally to go, whoa, it's a meaningful, you know, Brown-Steelers game. I'm not missing out on this. You know, could I understand it maybe at 17 nothing, maybe where they went, okay, he's not himself here. Let's make a move now. Let's not get him killed because he was taking some shots and things like that. I could have understood that. I, I would have had no problem with that. But, you know, the bottom line is – the Steelers, like you said, made a statement yesterday. And it was by far their most complete football game. And we saw it all. Stop the run, turnovers, hitting the quarterback. And then I think the other thing that's really encouraging is they ran the football. And if Pittsburgh can run the football a little bit, that's why some of those wins we've talked about that are not that impressive, they can't close teams out that way. But they seem like they're kind of getting it going. Another week of we see Chase Claypool kind of infused in the offense and make some splash plays. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I, I think they're one of the more complete teams in football. And I think yesterday was the first time the defense played a full four-quarter dominant game like we expect them to with the talent they have on their roster. And here's the best evidence of it, too. If you would tell me the Steelers beat the Browns 38-7, to I would assume Ben Roethlisberger had 350 passing yards. Yeah. At 162. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, it was James Conner getting over 100 yards rushing, three rushing touchdowns, including Chase Claypool on that jet sweep that I think is just going to become a standard part of the offense Got now. To. Because it works. Right. It works. Keep doing it. It works. Put it on film. There, there, it's on film. Oh, and we're gonna we're gonna use the same format. So what? Stop it. Good luck. Yeah. I mean, that's the you know, t- coaches get so caught up. And Coach Dungey mentioned this last night. He likes it when teams will keep using plays that work. Yes. Who cares if it's a look that they've seen before? Who cares if they see it coming? If you can't stop it, it doesn't matter. No, it does not. You're right. And a lot of times. It's good to wear those things out, too, to where we talk about. It forces teams to then do something to stop it, and that's when you have the fake or something off it or a, a tree you know, a, a tree of plays off of it that screw over the defense from overplaying their hand. But I think they have found that little aspect in Claypool as the new go-to guy to where it is going to force defenses to like, oh, we break the huddle. Where's 11 at? Where's Claypool? Oh, okay, hey, let's make our calls. He's over there this time. Hey, check this. We're doubling him, blah, 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 blah. I think he is going to become one of those guys that defenses are very aware of because he is the most dangerous guy in that offense. And, hey, Pittsburgh, you know, Big Ben's playing smart football. He's taking care of the ball. They didn't let Miles Garrett and the defensive line ruin the game. I felt like they were very cognizant of not like getting into a drop back. We're going to throw it all over the place and let Sheldon Richardson and Miles Garrett get strip sack fumbles and put us in a tough situation. Um, ultimately, though, I, I, you know, the Steelers with the pick six to start the game, right? Great. That's Steelers football. Great disguise. Minka Fitzpatrick, touchdown, the pressures, everything like that. But the stopping the run game. 
I mean, we talked about that with Cleveland almost every week of the year so far, and there was nothing. I mean, nothing there to be had. So those Steelers, that Steelers front seven was up for the challenge, and I think, again, it shows you a little with Cleveland and Baker Mayfield. You know, it's a big question about them. When they can't run the ball, how good are they on offense, right? I mean, at least that's a, that's a question for me because I don't think you can just trust Baker Mayfield at this point right now either to just drop him back 45 times a game and do that. He's going to make some mistakes, and this is just not the style of football they wanted to play yesterday. With Nick Chubb still out, Kareem Hunt had 40 yeah. yards on 13 carries, 3.1 yard per carry average, and no rushing attempts for Odell Beckham Jr., a guy that Kevin Stefanski stumbled onto as, as a supplement once Nick Chubb got injured. And he was great against the Dallas Cowboys, and he had that great game. And, you know, here's the problem with Odell Beckham, because we saw images of him yesterday slipping back into the Odell when things aren't going well. Because if they're winning, he's fine with not being involved. Yeah. Or if they're losing and he's heavily involved, he's fine with that. Right. Where the Venn diagram he implodes on a team. Yeah. He can't take both. Yeah. Because he genuinely believes if he was more involved, they wouldn't Agreed. be losing. Agreed. And and so you get both halves come together and that's when Odell Beckham Jr. slips into that guy that you think maybe he maybe he should be traded. Maybe he is more trouble than he's worth. Maybe it is a, a, a factor on the team that isn't conducive to where they're trying to go. And and I've gone back and forth now twice after week one. It's like, well, they got to trade this guy. Then it's like, hey, four straight wins. Well, hey, this is working. Yesterday when I saw those old, familiar images of the demeanor yeah. and just the whole, you know, it's like, uh, you know, is is he really – is he really a benefit? Because there's going to be a game in crunch time, late in the season or in the postseason, when it's not going their way, and instead of sulking and getting frustrated, you need somebody who's going to say, let's go out and change the narrative. Yeah. Let's not go pout because it's not going our way. Let's go make it go our way. Right. Well, I, I hear you. He did slip into some old ways there a little yesterday. I still think it's better than whatever we've seen before. Like, I do think there was some growth and maturity there. Yeah, I mean, first off, he was less pouty. He was less. He will. Well, he was. I mean, listen, he had his moments of theatrics and things like that, too. But I think also if we're going to keep it real, too. He had a moment of like he was talking to the offense and like trying to lead them. And, you know, you could tell he wasn't yelling them. It's like, hey, we got to pick this crap up. Let's do this. Let's do that. This is what we've been doing, blah, 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 to where. That was, you know, that to me showed a little maturity to where, like, oh, he's being a leader here. He wasn't trying to, like, you know, what the hell are we doing? Why am I not getting the ball? Now, he had some other body language moments and some actions where, yes, I do think that, but I don't think it's to a distraction point yet or anything like that. The last two weeks, he has been very good for their team, like you said. La yesterday, I was shocked, like you, early on. They never got him the ball or got him going. And Stefanski told me. I challenged myself to get him involved right. early, more right. often. And he was kind of decoy-ish against the Colts. Colts he was I don't know what the goal was yesterday. And yeah. here's the thing, too. Right. I think he gets very conflicted in the moments where things aren't going their way, and it's bothering him, and he doesn't sense that it's bothering the people around him. Yeah. And that's where he gets – and it's I just want to win, right? In, in New York, when you're dealing with Eli Manning as your quarterback, who's just kind of like, well – you know, and it works. I mean, he's got two Super Bowl trophies from going, you know, but when it when it's a bad day, you want somebody to get pissed off and start calling people out like Tom Brady would. Yeah, I think that's right. why there's always been that magnet yeah. that's tried to draw Tom Brady and Odell Beckham Jr. together because I think Beckham's got that same passion. Right. He just doesn't know what to do with it when he feels like no one else has it. I, I think that's very fair. I, I really do. I, I That's the way I kind of always have read it as well. It's not... It's not about a guy who wants to be mean or a jerk or anything like that. He wants to get the ball because he thinks he's awesome, yes, and he thinks he can help the team that way. And, yes, he does do that as well. And he lets the emotions maybe get the best of him at times. But yesterday, hey, even though he teetered close to the line there, I didn't think he crossed over. And, and you know, like I said, that one moment I saw leadership. And then I think the other things you can look at too, just like the clips we showed on Football Night in America, him sitting on the bench next to Baker – you know, I'd be more worried about when it's a game like that and Baker's on the bench and you see Odell Beckham Jr. on the other side of the, the sideline. That's when I would go, ooh, I don't know. There might be an issue there now. But they're still there. They're still believing in what they do. 
And we'll see. They're a young, still figuring out, not battle-tested football team yet that's, you know, slowly breaking down barriers, but they weren't ready for steel or football that was hitting on all cylinders like it was yesterday. And that's why, I mean, crap, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see where you put the Steelers in your power rankings this week. Bad news for the Steelers, linebacker Devin Bush out oh. for the season with a torn ACL. That is going to hurt them, Man. and they've got a showdown looming. This is the rescheduled game, the first game affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, Titans-Steelers, and it's kind of better now. It's a bigger game now. Yeah. Both teams 5-0, and oh, and how about the Titans? It looked like it was going to be a, a, another 42-16 to 16 type of a win early on against the Texans. And then next thing you know, Deshaun Watson and company make a game out of it, and it's back and forth, and it was exciting, and it was fun, and the Texans never quit, and the Titans never gave up, and the Titans have Derrick Henry. Let's let's hear from Derrick Henry from uh, after the 42-36 to 36 overtime victory. One thing you need to know about me, I'm looking forward. If you, in my vision, I'm trying to run past you, run through you, or make you miss, and I'm going to the end zone. You know, that's all I'm, I'm focused on. When I see you getting grass, I'm thinking, let's go. You know, he typically has been a slow starter, not this year. Ooh, man. And, you know, Chris, Chris, you know how we always say, oh, you pay a running back and things change. Nothing's changed with Derrick Henry. He got paid. He got rewarded. He's gotten better. And yesterday, he was unstoppable. And he doesn't need to worry about running over someone when no one can catch him. You made that point last night. When you see him accelerate, when he's in the open field and the defensive backs are chasing him and he builds a lead, Right. that is what is amazing about a guy that large. It's, it's insane. It really is. It's unbelievable. The fact that, yeah, he kind of weaved through traffic you know, slowed down to make a cut to his left, and now you're thinking, all right, these DBs are going to catch him now. He's too big. He's not going to be able to start up the engine and get it going all the way. And there he goes. He restarts and pulls away from everybody. I mean, it's un unbelievable what we're seeing from him. And you're right, traditionally a slow starter. Man, I mean, this guy looks like he's still a first or second year running back. You know, I think all these years of him carrying – or Sharon carries at Alabama a little bit and a little early on in his career here in Tennessee, it's led to a, whoa, fifth year of his career. He's still a spring chicken and looks awesome. But, I mean, the Titans, first off, I mean, full transparency, yeah, pissed off. It was one of my best bets, 21-10. I'm going, this game's going just how I thought it was. Tennessee Titans going to go down, kick a field goal to go a chip shot, 24-10. Texans are done. They got no chance. Block the field goal. Goal score. Lewan, Taylor Lewan gets hurt, strip sack fumble, J.J. Watt, and all of a sudden the Texans are in the lead, and that jump started them, and Deshaun Watson started making magic. But, Mike, I don't know. The Tennessee Titans don't blink. That I think their like, confidence in themselves to overcome or any big situation is up there with any team in football. They just don't – they're not phased by it. Uh, and it's very impressive, and it, it's, it's about their head coach. He's kind of instilled that in them. Consider these numbers as it relates to rushing attempts for Derrick Henry. As a rookie, 110. Second year, 176. Third year, 215. Last year, 303. So far this year, 123, which, if my math is correct, and it rarely is, works out to 393 rushing attempts for the year. I don't know that he can hold up for 393 rushing attempts, but he sure looks like he's holding up. And if you can't hit him, and if you hit him and you bounce off of him, you can't hurt him. You can't slow him down. This is amazing. 588 through five games. Let's try that real quick. Yeah. That is, uh, oh, never mind. 588 divided by five times 16 is 1,881 rushing yards for Derrick Henry. And if he accelerates later in the year, like we've seen him improve each year, who knows what he's going to do. No, so the guy's been incredible. The Titans are undefeated, and they get their biggest test of the year. They scored 42 points in consecutive games. I I, I don't want to go out on a limb here. Yeah. I don't think they're going to sc score 42 against the Steelers. No, they're Maybe not. Maybe they will, though. No, I mean, I, I mean, well, listen, there's the one thing people aren't putting together with the Tennessee Titans, I and mean, we don't like put it logically together, but does Tennessee Titans' number two offense in football sound good? Because I don't think people even correlate that. They are big plays in the run game and the pass game. 600 yards of offense yesterday. 
I mean, that just tells you they're hitting on all cylinders. Watch out for the Titans. Those bowling ball helmets looking better and better every, every single week. Titans 5-0, and Steelers 5-0 and coming up this weekend. Coming up next, the San Francisco 49ers put a fork in them, unless we shouldn't. They, of course, of course prove us all wrong yet again. Uh, we'll talk about 49ers Rams when PFT Live continues right after this. Uh, San Francisco 49ers having a little fun with the fact that all of us picked the Rams except for Coach Dungy. Thank God Coach Dungy picked the 49ers or it would have been even worse. And I'm just curious. I mean, you may need to scroll back through the 49ers Twitter feed. Chris, I wonder if they had a tweet last Monday pointing out that everyone picked them to beat the Dolphins and the Dolphins beat them 43-17. No, well, this is the new I wonder thing. if they had that. Do you think they had that tweet? No, probably not. This is the new thing. Or, you know, how about the tweet that we all picked them to beat the Eagles, and then they messed that game up, yeah, too. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Right, yeah. Oh, it was the Eagles. It was the Eagles that rubbed our face yeah, in it that night. Right. The 49ers didn't come out and say, gee, sorry we stunk. Right. So, sorry we gave you reason to think the Rams were going to beat us. Well, I'm so, still anyway. mad at myself, even though. Like, I've, I was very flip-floppy with this I, game, and I just I, chickened out. I just chickened out. Here's I just the problem. It. Here's the problem we should be allowed to change our picks from Thursdays because I or we should not make a pick on Thursday for the Sunday night game because I feel like between Thursday and Sunday we're at a disadvantage because we lock in on Thursday well that's I, my that's my a little bit that complaint. way I, I hear you but either way Hey, listen, just to get back to the game, the 49ers won the game. No, screw the and game. No, I don't want to talk about the game. I got we were wax, wrong about it. I got to wax poetically about my friend because he was awesome last night. I mean, they, they, they won that game because of Kyle Shanahan. There's just no, again, uh, early in the game, the first half, all the plays we saw, the 49ers running, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, we're not sure about his ankle. Can he throw the ball down the field? Well, oh, we, who cares? Shanahan devised 97 million plays to where he didn't have to throw the ball past the line of scrimmage. I mean, he was like at one point, like 13 for 14. And I went, did he throw a ball past four yards? So talk about exposing a defense and finding creative ways that way. But what a great way to get your quarterback in rhythm and get him feeling good again and confident to where now he goes into the next week and he's going to be like, oh, I'm playing good football. Here we go. 49ers, a lot of things to like last night. Got the run game going, really physically pushed around the Rams for the better part of the night. They need it with this stretch of games that they have. And Whoa. Aaron Donald, they handled him. You got to give him credit for that. That's Shanahan. Uh, Coop, think about all the stuff going on. They could never let him just run upfield and go attack. But sorry, go ahead. Well, and, th and, and how about, you know, the Rams offense, which I thought was supposed to be good. And Cooper Cup, I thought those gloves help you catch Man, man, I don't know. Uh -oh. Maybe he needs to put stick them on top of the gloves. Come on, Cooper Cup. Well, I'm just salty because the Rams lost. I wanted to be right. Uh, I'm salty because I picked the Rams and went break. against my friend. What a bad right friend back. I am. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.